Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one. Okay, we are back. We've got a lot of talk with you guys about a lot of new information um, that's come out in the last twenty-four hours. So pay attention. We're going to find you. We're going to. Uh, we found all sorts of information about the interest, interesting unintended consequences of some of these government programs. But Julie's got a lot of headlines she's ready to share with you. Yep. A lot of which, many of which, you guys are going to be very excited to hear about. Julie. Yes, so this is a very recent update as of last evening. The Senate passed the deal to replenish coronavirus relief funding as expected. Uh, It won't be voted into place until probably tomorrow. So this is your last chance to get your ducks in a row and be ready to rumble on this. So under the Senate agreement, the PPP, that's the Paycheck Protection Program, will receive another $310 billion in new cash. While the uh, EIDL, that's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Fund, will receive an additional $50 billion. Remember that the first round, which disappeared in about two weeks, was $359 billion. So this is slightly less at a new $310. I would expect it to go probably about instantaneously. Yep. Um, let's see. The bill sets aside an, an additional $60 billion for PPP funding for small and medium-sized community banks. I guess they weren't included before, so if you're using a community bank, And they said no before. Now you get to apply because they've been funded. The PPP ran out of money in about two weeks and the EIDL was running on fumes, said Shannon McGann, NAR's top federal advocate. So remember, guys, those of you who are being all weird about this, NAR is telling you to do this. We're telling you to do this. Um, These are two of the most extensive rescue programs in the nation's history. So uh, let's see. Quick guidance for what to do. I have four very specific points here. Number one, if you have already applied for the EIDL, that's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, that's the one you apply for on the SBA um, website, okay? So you got to keep these things straight. If you have applied for the EIDL, the SBA is processing applications that are already in their system on a first-come, first-served basis. You do not need to reapply. And remember, guys, all this information is available. A lot of you uh, either... You didn't listen or you didn't apply the information we gave you. We have done the research for you. We have know which banks are basically going to be the most likely to get your PPP through. We've given you all the paperwork. We've decoded all the formage for you. And we've done all this for free. So the free coaching program that every single one of you need to be jumping on is called Premier Dash Experience. But the quickest way for you to activate your membership is just text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. Now listen, guys, this is a free coaching program. And we give you our ultimate agent survival guide. That survival guide is broken into three parts. The first part is called personal, then it's called protect, and then it's called profit. The personal part is the part that all of you need to be absolutely positively getting done as fast as possible. That's where you apply for all these programs Julie's telling you about, which will give you a lifeline. These programs are literally designed to keep you and your small business alive until, the, until frankly, we know what happens next. Because the bottom line with regards to 
what's happening now is there is no playbook. There is no, I've lived through this before. There is no, this is like the last time. We're in completely uncharted historical times. Uh, so really what's going to happen next? You don't know. I don't know. So you got it absolutely grasp at whatever lifelines the government throws at you. So in this particular case, all these programs, are, you are eligible whether you're a W-2 or a 1099. So just text the word survival to 31996. In addition to that, you're also entitled to attend a daily, daily, daily semi-private coaching call. And we give you all the information to do that. And we give you a lot of good real estate scripts and tactics and things like that that are designed for this market, all for free. So just text the word survival to 31996. Now, Premier Coaching students, you do know that this is also included with your membership, but this is essentially maybe 5% of what you get as a full-fledged Premier Coaching member. But it is a great way for all of you guys who are sitting in homes looking for the next Netflix uh, special to be released. Um, Tiger King is over. Now let's you know move Yay. on. Let's get back to education, right? So focus That's on what you need to learn now in preparation for what might be coming next. And Julie and I are going to be talking about in a second the cost, the literal cost of being an optimist. We're going to talk about that in a second. So, but Julie, go ahead with yes, another okay. headline. So, so the first thing was if you've already applied for the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL, through the SBA. You do not need to reapply. Please do not be like the cat pounding on the on the uh, keyboard that you see on Facebook that's just constantly applying and reapplying and hoping that that's what the trick is. That's not the trick. If you've applied, you've applied. Now, if you have not applied for the EIDL, check back with the SBA application page, which we give you when you text survival to 31996. But check back at the SBA application page once the additional funding is signed into law, which is expected to happen tomorrow. I don't know what time tomorrow, so be frosty on this. Then they will reopen applications as soon as it passes. Now, I would fully expect, based on past experience, for their website to lock up, possibly crash, and cause you to have to go back at it. We've had many of our coaching clients report this, and that it took them maybe two or three hours in some cases to actually get through and get the application um, actually filed. So Julie, don't that, give up. With that yeah. said, they probably should apply at two different lenders or three not different lenders. Not on this one. Not uh, on the, uh, you're talking about the PPP. Oh, you're, you're talking about, about the, the SBA one. Okay. Yeah. 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 The EIDL. Yeah. But on the PPP one. Yes. You, which is next. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry, Julie. That's okay. So uh, <laughs> if you haven't done it, then do it starting tomorrow. Watch the website and don't give up if it crashes on you. You have to get this done because the money is going to evaporate. Okay. If you have already applied for a PPP, that's the Payroll Protection Program, through an SBA lender, so the first one, the EIDL, is on their web on the SBA website. The PPP is through an SBA lender. But if you have not been approved yet, you must check with your lender to see if they are doing a queue or a line of applications during the lapse where they ran out of money, or if they need you to reapply when the renewed funding comes through. This is not... Um, streamlined yet. So not every lender is going to give you the same answer. You have to check with whoever you applied with, with the PPP, where is your application in the queue or do you need to reapply? Okay. Did they just shut everything down and throw out, you know, when they ran out of money or do they have a queue already set up? Depends on the lender. Okay. Now, if you have not yet applied for some crazy reason, because we've been telling you about this for a month now, but let's just say you lost your mind and didn't apply yet. 
Okay, so if you haven't applied for a PPP loan yet through an SBA lender, we give you the application. It's not hard. It's just a couple of pages. Have your documentation ready to provide to the lender. It's very light documentation. If you have employees, a payroll document for independent contractors, have your 2019 1040 or 1099. If you have an existing relationship with an SBA lender, you should go to that lender first once the program opens, but be prepared to try multiple lenders, all of which you can search from what we give you by texting survival to 31996. This is the one, the PPP is the one where you apply to multiple lenders, um, not the SBA website. Okay. Why do you apply to multiple lenders? Because they all have different queues worth of people. And one of them is going to grab your file. They're going to put a file number on it. And then the other lenders will not. So this is just the smart thing to do. And in fact, even NAR has told you to, to go to multiple lenders. So just do it. And doesn't, look guys, just do all these things. The SBA PPP will turn into a grant if you use 75% yes. of the loan for um, payroll, including if it's your own payroll. So just every single opportunity you have, look, you might not think you need the money now, but aren't you going to be glad in 60 to 90 days when you have this money that you got this money? You will be. Now, are you going to talk about unemployment next? Um, I can talk about the article that you and I were both looking at. No, we'll talk, as... about that. we'll talk about that in a second. No, I want to talk about that article. It's hilarious. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to talk in a second about the unintended consequences of all these programs in a very real, real way from a small business owner's perspective. So there's downsides to all these programs that we're going to tell you about in a second. But the next one is, remember, I know this is crazy to say in here, but apply for unemployment. Um, your state will maybe have different, slightly different rules, but it, from what I understand, the CARES Act is telling every state to basically give unemployment insurance, even to people that are 1099s, and the CARES Act will pay you even as a 1099 unemployment uh, insurance. Most people getting unemployment, you listening, getting unemployment will probably make on average about $740 a week on unemployment, up to around $1,000 a week on unemployment. So if it's you and your wife that worked in a, in a business together and you guys are both essentially effectively unemployed, yes, that would mean twice as much per week. It's incredibly important you apply for all these programs, again, even if you don't think you need the money. You can always just put the money in a bank. You can always just save it. You can always just give it back in the future if, if you have some sort of issue with it. But the most important thing is, is you apply for this money. There's every reason to believe, and we're going to again talk about that today on today's podcast, that things are not going to be uh, anywhere near normal, whatever you de deem to be normal, until there's a vaccine. And there's not going to be a vaccine for another year. So in that in this interim, as we're all kind of crossing this you know, bridge together between the old world and the new world, we're going to have to essentially know that we have to get to the other side. There is no turning back. We have no choice. Um, you know, and that's the mental image I want to give all of you. And so you got to cross as fast as you can and use as many of the programs available to you as you can so we can get over to the other new world together. All right. So you want to read them the article or just summarize it? Um, yes. Okay. So here's an interesting unintended consequence. And it's you. You and I were discussing discussing this before we started, so we'll kind of lead to and, that. And, and next, let's talk about the update to the forbearances, which is also another article I sent you. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's an article about somebody who got one of these uh, forgivable loans, but her employees did not take it the way she intended. Jamie Black Lewis felt like she won the lottery after getting two forgivable loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. 
One of them was for 177,000 and the other was 43,800, one for each of the spas that she owns in Washington state as a lifeline she could use as intended for payroll and other business expenses. She had halted the pay for 35 employees, including herself, at the Oasis Med Spa and Salon in uh, Woodenville and another one uh, in Washington State in mid-March when non-essential business in Washington closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. So what happened when she had a conference call with them to run, you know, to talk to them about the payroll protection? She said it was a firestorm of hatred about the situation. The animosity is an unintended consequence of the $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief package. But why? Because they're making more on unemployment than they were from her at the spa. That's right. And so they actually did the math. And a lot of uh, people are making more money now than they were at work. And to get unemployment, guys, there's essentially all you have to do is say you're fearful of being affected by the coronavirus or you're just there's a whole bunch. If you have a kid at home, you qualify for unemployment under this uh, Government Cares Act. And so this gal's employees, her you know former loyal employees, were mad at her because she was able to raise money to put them back to work and none of them want to go back to work. You know, that's kind of twisted. an interesting... Well, it's twisted, but <laughs> yeah. the line in the article, which really, I mean, it was really amazing... Which she said, effectively, what kind of strange world is this where I have to compete with unemployment insurance for my employees? Right. I mean, these are the unintended consequences that come from programs like this. It's just really Well, But then I was checking my thinking on, you know, um, how does this affect our listeners, for example, people who are real estate professionals? Well, okay, so let's say that you are doing that and you're making more in unemployment than you were at, say, working at the spa with a, quote, real job. Well, remember that unemployment doesn't count, say, if you're trying to qualify for a mortgage. So reel this back into people who, you know, here's the argument for, you know, the real estate market should be fine because there's pent up demand. And as soon as there's more inventory, buyers will just snap it up. Well, what about buyers who used to be employed, who are now living on unemployment, who no longer qualify? So you've got to think a couple steps ahead here, guys, of how you're going to be affected. I thought there were some interesting stats on this, Tim, in the, in the Great Recession, which, you know, of course, many of us lived through and we remember the days when unemployment was super high. Well, that was 8.7 million jobs lost in the Great Depression from peak to trough, the entire Great Recession, 8.7 million. Well, now we have unemployment claims of 22 million just in the past four weeks. So if you look at those numbers alone, that's why we are giving you uh, cautious, cautious optimism that you're, of course, going to be fine through this. But protect yourselves from the consequences of what's to come. That's why this is important. Well, so we're going to talk about that in a second, Julie. But let's let's wrap up the forbearance thing. I still get a lot of questions and, and listener emails yep. about that. They're still very confused about that. We've been talking about this every single day on the podcast, guys. Oh, yes. This is... Well, yesterday, I think we reported on the fact that um, part of the reason, if not perhaps the whole reason, that lenders were being very inconsistent with how they were treating people uh, requesting forbearances. That was because they were freaking out about their own liquidity, right? So if I lend you a dollar, that's taking a dollar off of my plate that I might need to pay the servicers for people who are already in forbearance. So they were, and I think that some of this is they weren't particularly well scripted on how to handle this. It was just rolled out and then they're all trying to figure out how to deal with it. Uh, But the good news is that they only have to pay back four months worth 
to their investors. So the servicers have to pay the investors regardless of whether the servicers got paid. And so they were coming unglued about the fact that all this uncertainty, was that going to be for 90 days, for six months, for two years? We don't know. So they went into, um, you know, real conservative mode. And we're basically telling people, no, you got to pay it back in a balloon payment to have some people go away and not have to do the forbearance. So now they only have to do four months. This is going to be good. It's not going to be instantaneous, but I think that this is going to see uh, a a bit more streamlining of doing forbearance. But Julie, you're forgetting the punchline. Basically, what they're saying is they're putting in place people able to do 12-month forbearances because the lenders are not held responsible for anything beyond the four months. Right. Well, okay. So that that is the punchline is now they should be able to more streamline this and say yes. And you don't have to do these other crazy things that they're trying to convince you of. And by the way, the CARES Act was a law that says the mortgage lenders had to basically give everyone 12-month forbearances that they sort of ignored. Um, And now essentially what's happened is they've they've gone back, renegotiated it, and now the lenders aren't going to ignore it anymore. Most of you were able to get, uh, you know, maybe three months, maybe six months forbearances easily in the last three weeks with no balloon payment, no payment at the end, no interest accrued, the whole thing. Now, all of you should be able to do at least that, if not 12-month forbearances, which opens up the opportunity for you to save even more money. And and again, that applies to your first home, your second home, your rental properties. I understand the commercial commercial industry is uh, mortgages are trying to do the same thing. Guys, they're just trying to stop the dominoes from falling. Um, Whether or not they're going to be successful or not, it's, it's who knows? Um, the thing that's the variable that no one can really quite wrap their minds around, and there is no way to really understand um, what's happening on a large scope, is the reason everyone's so excited and jubilant about opening up the states again. We just did a great article on timandjulieharris.com where we're talking about just that, right? I mean, people are sort of like have this sense of relief. They think it's over, but it's not over. We're going to be going back into a world that's going to feel completely abnormal until there's a vaccine. And the problem ultimately with that is you're going to see essentially all aspects of the economy with no exceptions are going to have to radically change in order to make it through between now and when there's a vaccine created. We can argue the semantics of, you know, was there a conspiracy? Was this created? Is it political hype is it doesn't matter none of those things really matter at the end of the day because you can't do anything about them what matters is how you react and that's what the question i asked julie today um because i can under some of you guys like to treat optimism and here's the question i have for all of you guys and here it is ready what is the cost of being an optimist okay and what is the cost of being an optimist that, that's something I think it's a very counterintuitive question because everyone says you have to be an optimist. Optimism is the only way to go through life and da da da, da. I'm not disagreeing that you have to essentially be uh, have a, a good mindset, have a good approach to life. You can't walking, be walking around like the world's coming to an end, not suggesting that. But what there's a cost to that, isn't there? When you're a small business owner, what are you not doing if you're being optimistic? Oh, no, Tim, I don't want to hear what you and Julie are saying. You guys are too doom and gloom. You're talking about, oh, you know, those damn facts. I don't want to hear any facts. And you're talking about unemployment and you're, you know, you're talking about the potential of a, a, re- a recession or a depression. And you're talking about, oh, I don't want to hear your, you know, we've, re- we've received some comments like that. But the reality of it is, is there is a cost to you guys being, taking that approach to the facts that we're presenting to you. You're not wanting to hear the facts. And these are not our opinions that we're offering you. We're, Julie and I are not 
Look, we're not saying to you that we hope things go this way or that way. I mean, truthfully, we hope things get a lot better and there's a V-shaped recovery, but I don't see how that's even possible. But some of you are holding on to the hope that there's going to be some sort of, you know, snap back in the economy and in housing. Um, and you're saying, listen, I just don't want to think about the darker side of things because I'm an optimist. So optimism is almost like this. Uh, this religion, right? And so if you're an optimist, then all of a sudden you have to start adopting these other ways of thinking. At least that's what's starting to form in, in the, uh, not just in the real estate community, but the economy and the whole country. No, 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 no. That The people that think like that on the negative side, they don't fall in alignment with my political beliefs. Oh, the people that think this way aren't, you guys get it? You're sensing that's starting to happen? There's a cost to it. And I want you to ask yourself, and Julie and I are going to talk about it. We, neither one of us prepped for this, but I have a feeling we're going to think the same thing. What's the cost of being a quote-unquote consummate optimist, Julie? Well, the cost is that you don't realize that these facts that are out there, you know, there's a saying that facts don't care about your feelings. You can feel optimist all you want to, and we encourage you to. We don't want you to be doom and gloom and get depressed and, and get into that whole malaise. But the problem is that if you are not looking at the actual facts, you're not being accountable to anything. You're just counting on your feelings. You're running on hopium. And you know what? It's great when you're right. But when you're wrong, it's, it's like a, a Mack truck is headed for you. And you're, you know, just looking at the pretty birdies in the tree as you stand in the crosswalk. Well, as, as my friend, uh, the president of uh, EXP, Dave, he said, uh, you know, the world is full of flat squirrels, you know, basically, you basically squirrels analogy. that didn't get out of the way in time. And they got ran yeah. over. So so here's the thought for all of you. So there's the cost. You become a flat squirrel. That's ultimately what the cost is. So if you're listening to what we're saying and you're hearing what we're saying and you're thinking that somehow we have a hidden agenda, I got news for you guys. We don't. It, everything in our world is the same as yours. It's tougher. You know, it's harder. Everything's more of a challenge. We've had to essentially, in our own coaching business, we've had to go about and re- reapproach everything and update everything. We had to double down. Everything we're telling you guys, we're doing ourselves in our own personal lives. That's the bottom line. We're not sitting this whole thing out. We're front lines in this whole shit show just like you guys are. But look, we are naturally optimists. We wouldn't have been the people that we are and done what we've done with our lives if we weren't optimists. But... We understand that there is a cost to basically becoming a Pollyannic optimist or somebody that essentially only wants to hear good news. And that's what a lot of you are addicted to. You're thinking that it's some sort of special spiritual mindset thing that your brain and your thoughts, you're you're like so entrenched in this idea that there's some sort of metaphysical alignment with, you know, it's hocus pocus, guys, with your results in your life. The things that drive the results in your life your thinking is certainly part of it, but it's your actions that matter. So if you think by essentially reading things that don't make you feel happy, you're going to somehow to attract those unhappy things to you, you've been sold snake oil. You've been sold an absolute lie. That's not how the world really works. The world really works and rewards those people who take action. So let's keep it really practical and tactical. If you are somebody who uh, essentially is... Uh, in the religion of optimism, okay, and you're actually saying, I don't want to hear bad news, I want to believe in a V-shaped recovery, what does that mean you're not doing? What actions are you not taking that maybe the future version of you wish you would have taken, right? This is what a coach is supposed to do. A coach is not supposed to just make you feel good. A coach is supposed to make you 
see the your blind spots. Look for the things that you're not seeing so that you are not blind <laughs> blindsided and become a flat squirrel. So what are the things that you're not doing if you're essentially preaching at the altar of optimism? Well, you're probably not doing anything other than what you have been doing for the past 10 to 12 years during a hot seller's market, which is probably counting on repeat and referral business, probably counting on your social media and saying to yourself, oh, this is just a temporary lull. It's going to be a V-shaped recover. I'm going to wake up one day. And you're probably being reinforced by the fact that you see some houses selling fairly quickly still at a decent price. So you're reinforcing by finding the little morsels that are still reinforcing. It's called confirmation bias. Okay, but you're not taking action to do anything different to take advantage of what the market actually is willing to give you. You're not looking ahead. You're not keeping an eye on 60, 90, 120 days out. You're just, you know, trucking along. Everything's going to be fine. And you might even be doing some things that are more destructive than doing nothing, like looking for political reasons to, to reinforce your ideas and spending too much time on Facebook and Instagram versus actually doing the things that agents who are not acting like that and are, and are embracing things. I'll give you a quick example. Okay. Uh, tons of new builder inventory with great incentives. I've had reports all day long and the builders are, you know what the builders are saying? This is great advertising. Um, take your clients to never lived in completely clean new construction. <laughs> I thought that was great. You know, so that they're thinking well, <laughs> versus sitting around saying, you know, I'll do the, what I used to always do. So if you basically are believing that the world is going to snap back and everything's going to be the way it was, that means that you're not going to be doing the things now educationally for yourself to learn how to survive in this changing market. That means you're just sitting on the sidelines waiting for everything to return to normal. And you're looking for other people doing the same thing. So you're forming this, you know, essentially this future for yourself that is going to be underprepared, that's going to cause you to perhaps have some very bad experiences financially. Whether these you know, lending programs and these handouts from the government last for four months, six months, or for longer than that, personally, I think they're going to last at least through the end of the year because of the election year. But even if we're wrong about all that, there's no downside in you taking the approach that Julie and I are prescribing to all of you, which ultimately is you know, the way to encapsulate it is hoping for the best but preparing for the worst. You guys are spending too much time in the hoping part of things and not doing anything on the preparing side of things, which means that you're most likely going to suffer in the near future. You know, I was listening to a great interview with uh, Brad Inman. He was interviewing, a, a, her first name was Pamela. She was a broker of Corcoran in New York City, obviously a very sophisticated, classy lady. And Brad always does a great job on his interviews. And she said something which, you know, here, you know, she obviously has to come off as an optimist. That's what real, real estate people, salespeople are supposed to be. We're supposed to be optimistic. But she said something which I thought was really telling. She said, we were hoping our summer market was going to be our spring market. Now we realize that the summer market, the fall market might be the summer market. But now actually what we're starting to believe is there's going to be no market at all this year in New York City. Well, that's called being honest. That's called telling her agents the right thing so they can prepare. Yeah, well, that's looking at the facts and not hiding out, right? So when you get in, I mean, this really does go back to your stages of grief, right? So what she's in is acceptance. Here's what we see is probably occurring. When you are in acceptance, you can make decisions. And maybe those decisions are hoping for the best, but absolutely planning for the worst. But at least you're accepting that you've got to take action. You've got to do something about it. You know, what we were just talking about, 
is the other four stages, which are some version of denial, anger, bargaining, or depression. You can only do what you're supposed to do for yourself, your family, your clients when you're in acceptance. And she clearly is. She's looking at the facts going, hey, you know what? Maybe we're going to kick this can down the road for a little while. But what can I be doing? What can I control? In the interim of whatever, you know, essentially we're facing down as a community, you know, all of us together. And by the way, it's not just real estate agents. It's small business owners. And it's not just small business owners. This is going to affect every single human on planet Earth. But as far as our country is concerned, there are no real safe industries. There are no real safe jobs. Everyone from white-collar jobs, high-paid white-collar jobs, city workers, state workers. There's articles coming out that states and cities are starting to lay people off. This is a real thing. And the unemployment numbers are probably going to eclipse 20%. There's never been unemployment this high in our country. That does not just fix itself. That is not Tim and Julie being a pessimist. That is Tim and Julie telling you the truth. People do not buy things when they're not feeling, guess what, optimistic. If they're not feeling optimistic about their futures, they're going to keep their powder dry. They're not going to spend their money. They're going to be very close and, uh, you know, essentially very garden prudent with the risk that they take. And virtually anything is going to feel like a risk until we have a cure, a vaccine for this damn thing. And then even, even beyond that, there's going to be some uncertainty as things start to patch back together. But the reality of it is, in this market, in every market, and this is what really matters, you guys totally get in your heads, there are always going to be people that have to sell. And not necessarily, you know, the fewer buyers for sure, which creates a nice buyer's market, but there's always going to be people that have to sell. There are always going to be people that even with forbearances, they're just not in a position to keep the property. And it could be all kinds of different reasons. As the months progress, and as you guys start to see that Julie and I's, you know, our approach to the way to think about this was more accurate than maybe some of you wanted to really believe, including, to be honest with you, ourselves. I mean, Julie and I, we're gut checking ourselves on some of these things we're thinking because, holy crap, it's not how we want to how we want to come off to all of you. I mean, we've written That's Harris better. Rules. That thing's full of optimists, right? That best-selling book. Our podcast from two months ago. I was scanning titles of what our topics were two months ago. Man, I missed those days. That was easy. <laughs> it was so much more fun. But the reality of it is, is how can we, with integrity, tell you lies about what we think is going to happen next? And all we're doing is reading the news stories to you. All we're doing is giving you the facts. We're cutting through the political Mickey Mouse, of which you're right, some listeners, you guys know it's thick out there. We're just focusing on what's going to put you guys in a position to thrive in this market. But before you to thrive, you have to learn to survive. The way you're going to thrive is you're A, going to do all the things we suggest you do in the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide. Just text the word survival to 31996. And you have to do the things in the personal section ASAP. But after that... Listen to your coach or maybe we're your future coach. Learn how to be a listing agent. That's right. So what are people doing now? It's not just about your past clients' centers of influence. That would be people who are stuck in the old world, okay? We're not saying don't talk to your past clients and sphere in your database. Of course, you should be doing that all the time in any market. That is your foundational spoke. But you cannot rely on that. You've got to be doing things to keep money in your pocket like BPOs. For everyone, it's good for you on so many different levels, not the least of which is getting paychecks in the mail all the time. So we've got to start with that. What else are you doing that's proactive? Look back at your past week. What were your actions? Were you glued to the news all day or were you actually burning up the phone with your headset on most of the day? So 
I think that's what it gets down to, Tim, is, is what are you willing to do that's not exactly the same as what you did 30 days ago? And so what we teach you to do is what you don't want to do. And what we hope to have you do through our coaching is get you to do it when you don't want to do it. And through essentially our experience coaching, what we know how to do, you're going to be doing it at the highest level. And that's been more true now than ever. The long-term, ever-increasing levels of success, no matter what is going on in the market with interest rates, no matter what is going on, who the president is, no matter what is going on with the zombie apocalypse, whatever you want to call it, whatever drama you want to bring, it's all about doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. I got news for you listeners. I would say in the past month, there's been about 50% of these podcasts and we were telling you guys this news that we didn't want to deliver and we had to talk ourselves into it. And Julie and I would look at each other's notes prior to the show and we'd ask ourselves, what are the unintended consequences of that? And we realized in some cases the things that we were going to tell you would bring some hate our way. But we asked ourselves, we didn't even have to verbalize it because we were thinking the same things. Can we live with ourselves if we don't tell you everything that we know to be true? And we couldn't. We just won't. So we're going to tell you things and we're going to do what we don't want to do. When we don't want to do it at the highest level. Now, with that said, a lot of we have agents that we're talking to right now, coaching clients who are taking action, who are re- giving us some of the best reports back awesome. ever because the, the competitors are all asleep. That's true. That is so true. You know, and, and these are listings taken, and many of them are still selling fairly quickly. And I got to tell you, by and large, and it, it's so interesting to see. I, I almost feel like this is a mark, like a listing purification type of thing, where people who are selling now are absolute have to sell sellers. They will price it right. They will stage it. They will allow showings. They will do what they are told to do, asked to do. Okay, which is really awesome for you <laughs> as an agent, right? Um, so. I think I I see those selling. I see them being taken. I see people being very grateful for the advice that smart agents are giving them, which is to protect the the equity that you have in your home now by selling it now, unless you plan on keeping it for quite some time. To protect your equity and to sell now gets you out of worrying about the you know unintended consequences of the future, the uncertainty of the future, the massive unemployment numbers. Get while the getting's good. We've got Ju- a little bit of leeway here. Julie cannot stop herself from going into coaching mode. She Sorry. wants to start giving you guys scripts. It's okay. That's what you are, my dear. You are the head coach. So, guys, bottom line, text the word survival to 31996. If you want to just skip to the front of the line and you know get behind the red rope and you want to get into the coaching program immediately, just text the word education. Is that right? Education? Yeah, education to 31996, text yep. the word education to 31996, and you'll get an immediate callback from one of our new member coaches, and they'll get you enrolled in their premier coaching program. The future is about becoming a powerful listing agent. The past was about virtually everything else that you guys have essentially normalized. That is a fact. You find you, you cannot literally come up with a way of arguing against what we're saying that more than ever... Being a powerful, competent, skilled listing agent now is where you're going to essentially find job security, but it's also where you're going to be of the most service to folks that have to sell their homes. The people in the real estate market who are the best have to sell sellers, those are the ones we're going to teach you guys how to go after. That's what your future is going to be. That's how you're going to be immune to the ups and downs in the marketplace. So on every one of my coaching calls today, my private ones, what I've told all of them is, you know, and we've been telling them this, and some of them have been slow to react. 
And some of them now, after this past couple of weeks, they're seeing that what we've been telling them is accurate. They're starting to see significant slowdowns. They're starting to see their, you know, their pipelines in May and June dry up. They're starting to see all the normal things that happen that we've been warning people would happen. Okay, even our coaching clients who pay Julie and I to privately coach them still are a little bit butt-headed sometimes and hard-headed about listening. But now they want to listen. So encapsulating what I've been telling everyone here it is. Whatever your magic number is of listings you have to have at all times, multiply it by three. What are the number of contacts? So if you normally, if you don't know what the real estate magic number is, that's included in the uh, free coaching program. It's the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed your financial expectations. Just text the word survival to 31996 and you'll know what that's all about. You're filling the blank business plan. Um, but yeah, so if their normal number of listings that they need at all time will say 10, now it's 30. If it's five, now it's 15, which means that the number of contacts they have to make to decision-making adults is also the same. So if normally they have to make five list uh, contacts a day, now they have to make 15. And for the ones that are really ready to go to the next level, the new rule, well, the old rule that now they're finally starting to listen to is that your goal is to set one pre-qualified listing appointment a day. And the best time ever to actually learn how to proactively lead generate in our entire career of coaching is now. I've never seen a better time to proactively lead generate than now. Everybody's at home. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, can't have that little objection anymore. Oh, I can't reach anybody. And you're running into more motivated sellers than you ever could possibly imagine. And and this is maybe being too competitive for some of you, but the agents you're going to be competing against don't do not know what to do or do not what to know what to say. And they're going to be losing listing opportunities. They're going to be losing their listings. They're going to essentially not be competitive with you if you know what to say and what what to do. The greatest fortunes, or the greatest, essentially, oh, well, hell, I'm going to stick with the word. The greatest fortunes of, of history, in history, the, the wealthiest families even to this day, have always been created during the greatest times of change. We are in one of those now. So don't look at yourself as, oh my gosh, how have I been born on, you know, this is just horrible. I can't believe it's happening to me. You know, that's okay, one way to look at things. Or you can look at things realistically using the numbers, using the facts, take a breath, Okay, go through the grief, grief, the stages of grief, right? Get to acceptance, and then what you got to do is start applying the new, the things that we're teaching in the coaching program, and start, you know, essentially doing the real work of real estate. And then through this, and on the other side of this, you guys are going to have completely different trajectories than you could possibly ever imagine. Julie, you want to say anything as we wrap up? Yeah, well, I was going to read them our minimum standards, just so that they know. Oh, boy. That, okay. uh, you Go know, we're it. not screwing around here. Of course, we have our normal daily minimum standards of podcasts and coaching calls and all the things that we already have set in the schedule that we never reschedule. So that goes without saying. But in terms of doing what we don't want to do when we don't want to do it, well, we have a protein smoothie, which I have to say that is under my things I like because you make that for us. And I really appreciate that, even though it's not the most yummy thing in the world. Protein smoothie, we both do. Supplements. We walk a minimum of six miles a day. We do, what is that, 100 push-ups, 30 burpees. Uh, if you don't know what burpees are, just Google that. They're horrible. Uh, 200 squats and 100 crunches. This is daily, guys. Have so, you done your squats today? I've done about half of them. I have some work to do on that. And, of course, those miserable burpees. Yeah, the burpees so, are terrible. And we, in the, the six miles, you know, we, it's, I think that's very cathartic for us to talk yeah. about all the things we've had to research all day long. And you know why the protein smoothies aren't very good, right? Because there's protein and stuff in them. No, because we can't get bananas. We live in Puerto Rico. We live in Puerto Rico, guys. Nobody can get bananas. You can't get bananas. I mean, this is clearly the end times. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. All right, guys. I have confirmed a source for grapes, though, so this is good. Oh, boy. So he's going to be happy. So listen, listeners, if there's anything we can do for you, 
If you want to have a private coaching call with me about joining on our team over at eXp, I would encourage you to do so. Brokers, agents, does not matter. Text me directly, 512-758-0206. Just text me and let's have a private conversation. Uh, for the rest of you, for those of you who are ready to take action now and want to essentially just join the coaching program and stop getting ready to get started, just text the word education to 31996. For those of you who are in the middle, you're still trying to decide what you want to do, right? You can go ahead and just join the free coaching program and just text the word survival to 31996. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. Did you have something you wanted to say? I saw you grabbing your mic. Oh, no, I'm good. Just get to work. Don't, you know, don't be uh, stuck in denial and hopium and V-shaped recovery. You've got to, you know, I, I, I really believe that being on the phone 80% of your day is the cure. It is because it keeps it, you to off. To keep it simple. It keeps your mindset pure. Yes. Yes. God bless, guys. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.